Okay, so we're going to open the Bible for a short time, and again, this is a re-recorded talk because uh, it didn't cor- record correctly on the Sunday that I spoke. But I, I want to speak about battles. We're continuing our series uh, called "Every Day with Jesus," looking at our everydays, looking at our just day by day living, and where Jesus factors in that. And the reality is. Battles happen every day. When I think of battles, here's the kind of things that I think of. I think of bedtimes. I think of broccoli. I think of brushing teeth. I think of school uniforms. I think of leaving the park. And that's just with me. That's a little joke there. But when I think about battles, I also think about the movie 300 with Leonidas, the Battle of Thermopylae in the Persian Wars. Now, this movie holds uh, a few different significances for us because for Maddie and I, my wife and I, this was one of our first dates, accidentally. I managed to get the times wrong and it wasn't very romantic, but I seen her perseverance in the mix of that movie and I thought, you know what, we could be good together. It's a good movie, if not a bit gory, but there's that picture of Leonidas's bravery and faith in the cause with his 300 men against a wealthy, resourced and powerful opposition. Uh, I can now say that Mary plans our cinema trips going forward. But for most of us, battles are happening right now in all sorts of forms. Some of us, uh, it's got us to the brink. Some of us, it's lifelong. Some of us are just feeling exhausted. And I hope this morning encourages you. I want you to keep this idea of battles throughout the talk as we read Exodus 7, 8 to 16. So just to give you a bit of context, we have God's people, the Israelites, who have been bound in slavery and are set free, being led by Moses, seeing God do amazing things, but folk are finding it hard as they are journeying this wilderness, coming out of slavery. There's lots of moaning and groaning in spite of God's provision and protection. And we see in this passage their first opposition, The first battle moment in the wilderness. So we're going to read Exodus 17 and we're going to start at verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Amen. So let me tell you about this attack. It was an unprovoked attack. The Amalekites were plunderers. I mean, they could be compared in modern day to pirates. 
They were descendants of Amalek, and it's up for debate from commentators where they have come from. But regardless of that debate, they are fierce. They lived in the wilderness region of the Red Sea, and their reputation was warlike. They enjoyed and took pleasure in killing. They were not to be messed with. I wonder what they fought off when they seen the Israelites. Oh, there's an easy target. They've been slaves. They're not going to have much about them. They look lost, dishevelled. They're grumbling. Now is our time. And we see then the battle at Rephidim occur. I want to ask us uh, firstly, when the battles come, how do we respond? It's a broad question. It often depends what we are battling. Whether it's stress and pressures with children, or at home, our work environments, our physical health, uncertainty, fear, our future. It depends on the severity. It depends on the toll it takes. It depends on the regularity. It depends on the emotions it triggers. Whether we fight or whether we give way. Whatever our battles are, most of us will have coping mechanisms. For some of us, we maybe mask it well. We play the game, we walk the walk and talk the talk, but inside we're crumbling. This talk is for you and Jesus is for you this morning. For some of us, we bury the battles so deep down, we're afraid for them to resurface and the stuff to come out. This talk is for you and Jesus is for you. And for some of us, the battles are very real, very live, and we feel that we're losing the battle right now. This talk is for you and Jesus is for you. And for some of us, life is good right now. We're sailing a steady ship. But if we live the life that Jesus intends, battles will be coming. This talk is for you and Jesus is for you. So three points this morning from Exodus 17. First of all, there's a warning to watch out when we are weary. The Israelites were weary. Their perspective was skewed. Their thought process was sinking. Moses even felt like they wanted him stoned. And the Amalekites saw an opportunity in their weariness. Often when we're weary, things are magnified and we're vulnerable. And we go down the wrong paths and we say the wrong things and we focus on the wrong things too. There once was a a story of a boat which was called the Pelicano. It was once the most unwanted ship in the world. It floated in the open seas for over two years. Uh, No port would would accept it. It was turned away from 11 countries. It wandered the Caribbean. It went to West Africa. It sailed the Mediterranean. It roamed the Indian Ocean. During those years, their owners changed and the name of the boat changed as well. And the reason for this was because uh, a city rejected it. The sanitation workers said they didn't, uh, didn't want to be involved with the ship. So they went on strike for almost an entire month in Philadelphia. And a lot of trash can accumulate... Uh, in a month in a city the size of Philadelphia and they tried to ship their trash to other states but they refused to accept it and what ended up happening was that this trash ended up getting piled on to this boat which is called the Pelicano 28 million pounds of scrap and ash imagine being on that ship imagine journeying out to sea not really knowing where you're going being weighed down by rubbish wandering wondering where you're going to be accepted. I wonder how many of us are feeling like that, weary in the weight of the battle lost at sea, carrying it all. For some of us, we feel the weight right now of carrying it all. So watch out when we're weary. Another passage in Deuteronomy 
explains the Amalekites in Deuteronomy 25, 17 to 18. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way on the way when you were faint and weary, cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. It's that picture of he attacked you when you were faint and weary. We must watch out when we're weary. The enemy won't often come head on, won't make it obvious. It'll often be set by surprise and it'll catch us when we're weary and faint and exhausted with life. He'll know how to pounce when we're fragile and life's events have been chipping away at us. And as a result, we may find our hearts harden and our actions shift in our everyday. Our friendship circles maybe just provoke more negativity than normal. We go, we see the worst in everything and everyone. We maybe find ourselves gossiping a bit more in our everyday. We lose perspective of what matters. We end up watching programs that grow unhealthy thoughts and habits. We have thought processes taking us to dark places. Worry grips our finances. We have too much medication maybe to numb the pain. There's feelings of shame maybe over our life story. The Israelites were weary. Their perspective was skewed. Their thought processes were sinking. The Amalekites saw an opportunity. But we needn't fight these battles alone. For us today when weary, Jesus brings an invite. In the heaviness, he brings a solution. When we're lost at sea, he says, come to me. Jesus says in Matthew, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. The message version says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. A great couple of verses, a great reminder to come to Jesus with our stuff. And you know, just like the Amalekites did, Satan is a plunderer, opportunistic and will steal and destroy if we let him. He'll keep piling it on. So we have to watch when we're weary and remember Jesus can carry it. Every time uh, we do food shop, well not every time, but the last couple of times we've done food shopping, I set the challenge of carrying all the bags from the boot. I think it's a rite of passage. I think, uh, mind you, the other people I've spoken to don't do this, but uh, often I'll have like 13 full bags balancing on my fingers, you know, two on every every finger. Well, that doesn't work out with 13, but you get the picture. I'm sweating, I'm screaming, no, I can't do it. Yes, I can. Uh, I get to the door and then I just let out a sigh of relief and release all the bags. And it's such a picture of our busy lives. We uh, carry the weight. We sweat and we toil and we, we struggle to take the next step forward. And I just feel that that picture may, might speak to some of us today to lay the bags down, to take a deep breath. And Jesus wants to help today. So to watch out when we're weary. Secondly, we need others around us. I know speaking to Mary how blessed she is with her mum friend since Daniel has been born and with our other two boys uh, since becoming a mum. And I know how it's amazing it's be, how amazing it's been this time to have our dad's group up and running as well and just to have friends in the mix to support us, to have spaces where we can do life together. And I know the blessing that our life groups throughout the city have been to many of us who are listening and who are part of our church. We need each other. And we see the attack happen first. The Amalekites going for the ones who are weary. And Moses responds by introducing Joshua. And it's the first time we hear of him. Forty years later, Joshua will lead the Israelites into the promised land. And he says to Joshua in the passage, get men to fight. And we see a great couple of verses here. A beautiful picture. It says this, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. 
As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. We see this beautiful picture, Moses, Aaron and Hur, helping him hold his hands up to triumph. God reminding us of our need for those alongside us in the battle, that we can't do it alone. You might be thinking, listening to this, I can carry it, just me. People don't need to be involved in my real stuff. You're not, you're not going to be able to keep your hands up. You will be plundered and you will lose. We need each other. Sometimes in the battle when we can't muster anymore, we need someone to come alongside and to lift our hands up, to show up, to be there for us, to see what we can't. Even if it feels like we can't go on anymore, when we feel like dropping it completely, someone who will show up and stay, You know, as parents, we need this. I need this in my everyday. Who is that person that will look us us in the eyes and say, I'm getting a hold of you and I will lift your hands because God is good and we fight this battle together. I'm not going anywhere. I love verse 12 in this passage uh, when it details that Moses' hands remained steady until sunset. By himself, he was lowering his hands. Defeat was coming. With others, they were steady and they were victorious. We need others around us in our battles to help steady our arms, to steady the ship. Jeannie Allen, uh, in her book, Find Your People, she says this, Transparency is the idea of living without walls, where we gulp and take a deep breath and admit that we need people. When weary, who's our people? When celebrating, who is our people? I wonder for us, who do we have alongside us? We need Aaron and hers in our lives and in the battles. Maybe you are someone's Aaron and hers right now in this season, but who are yours? There's an opportunity, church, for us to identify those people at each side of us, when the battles come. Why not think and pray who those people are right now and uh, invest in those relationships right now. Do something about meeting with those people right now. Spend time with those people right now. Who do we have alongside us? We need others around us. And then the final point I want to share, or the question I want to ask is, which banner are we lifting? Uh, For those of us that have been around our church for a number of years, you'll remember the big orange flag that we used to have outside the school. And we haven't had it up uh, because one of the bits broke on the flag as we're coming to the cinema. We need to get a new flag. But I remember a story a couple of years ago when we were meeting at Milburn Academy. And we were packing down after a Sunday and the flag was missing. So the base was there, but the flag wasn't there. And we thought, oh, okay, maybe it's been packed down or maybe it's in a box It'll turn up next week, I'm sure. Maybe somebody's taking it down early. And then I got a phone call later at 3 o'clock that afternoon, around 3 o'clock that afternoon, and it was a lady in our church. Thomas, I've just seen our Inverness vineyard flag being carried by a teenager down the high street in Inverness. And I was like, oh! I told him what he was doing with it, and he didn't have a good enough answer, so I got it back off him, and I've got it here in my car. 
So this lad, a group of lads, had been around Melbourne Academy in the morning and had stolen our flag and proceeded to march up and down the high street with our Inverness Vineyard church flag, which, you know, part of me was like, oh man, I'm glad we got the flag, but oh man, that's a bit crazy. But also I was like, that's great advertisement for the church as well. That's getting the word out to the high street. Uh, But we need to get a new flag. After the victory in this passage, which turned out to be a rare one for the Israelites, we read in verse 15, Moses built an altar and he called it the Lord is my banner. Now a banner is something that identifies and unifies a, a particular group of people. For example, a military flag or standard is sometimes called a banner. And uh, essentially what Moses is doing here is is declaring in this altar by calling it the Lord is my banner. The Lord is the flag that I'm flying. You will know me by this. And, you know, right now there's a banner of fear over our nation. There's a banner of uncertainty over our nation. There's a banner of insecurity. Every day is being communicated over our nation. And this passage reminds us all, if we know Jesus, we raise a different banner and we carry a hope that the world cannot bring, ever. Israel, like us, are not fighting battles alone. They, like us, if we know Jesus, are travelling with the very presence of God. We are never underdogs in our battles. The Lord is my banner is translated as Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And banners are visible. They're used in war to commemorate, to remember, to declare what happened, to celebrate. And when Moses built this altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, he was creating a place of remembrance, a place of victory, a place of thanksgiving. The Lord is my banner and we are the Lord's. The Lord should reframe our battles in the everyday. The Lord is my banner is a reminder of God's love and defeating sin and sending Jesus to die for us. The Lord is my banner is for the sinless man of Jesus to take my sin upon himself to reconcile us to a right relationship with God. The Lord is my banner is for an eternal future secured by the cross and Jesus defeating death by rising again. And the Lord is my banner is for the promise that right now this is not it and the best is yet to come. It's for declaring hope over the valleys that we're in, the battles that we're in and the battles that we've yet to face because God is God and he is good and he and I am who he says I am. I'm a child, I'm treasured and I'm dearly, dearly beloved and I don't need to carry the weight. I don't need to be alone in the battle moments. I don't know where each of us are at when we're listening to this talk, but I'm aware that many, uh, many will be listening knowing Jesus and perhaps there'll be one or two folk who don't know Jesus, but I just felt led to share the hope in knowing Jesus that we carry in our battles, that everything's not lost. And maybe there's a space to explore more. Maybe there's an invitation into real community again after the just the toughness of the last couple of years. Maybe there's a moment to let Jesus know what is really going on and to ask him for help. So battles, they're very real. We all have them. And uh, knowing Jesus brings us a different perspective and a different reality into them. We're to watch out when we're weary. Make sure that we have people around us. We need others around us. 
And we are to remember that the Lord is our banner. Which banner are we lifting? Are we lifting a banner of fear and uncertainty over our lives in the everyday? Are we are we reflecting what the world says? Or are we carrying that banner that the Lord is my banner? That he's the flag we're flying. And that people will know us by that. Amen.